I got off the plane with uh, two bags of luggage and $100 in my pocket. And the only thing that I knew was I had a job and somewhere to sleep. That's Antoine Few. I'm Greg Baird. You're listening to the Photo Gregor Podcast. This is the Photo Gregor Podcast. I'm Greg Barrett. One of the reasons I got into podcasting in the first place was to tell this story. I'm here with Antoine Few. He is a good friend of mine and my next door neighbor. He's got a fascinating story. And I want to say, Antoine, welcome. I hope uh, I hope my listeners enjoy this as much as I think we're going to enjoy this conversation. Cool. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so... Before I ask a question, what what is it about your story um, that you feel like might be of interest to somebody? Um, I think it's just uh, me uh, being able to pick up and and leave home pretty much with nothing and come here to Utah and start like start all over. Um, you know, like I've told you in the past, I. Uh, I got off the plane at Salt Lake International um, with uh, two bags of luggage and $100 in my pocket. And the only thing that I knew was I had a job and somewhere to sleep. And um, before we go back, I'm going to go back in time a little bit with you and start talking about what led up to that. Was that scary for you? Oh, it, was, it was terrifying, you know, because I was, you know, 22 years old. I just had just like a month past my 22nd birthday. And, uh, you know, I mean, I know, when did you leave home? I mean, you went on a mission, but do you think you would have left home at 22, like went to another state to live for good? Like say, I'm not going back home. This is where I'm going to call home for now. Most people wouldn't, you know, they'd be afraid. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about what led up to that. I, I kind of want to get a, a sense. I know your kids, I know your family, um, what was six-year-old Antoine like? Paint us a picture. <laughs> six-year-old Antoine was, uh, so I grew up on the west side of Fresno, out in the country. Um, so Fresno is San Joaquin Valley. It's like, like you can't get more central California um, than Fresno. Uh, it is the one of the, like, produce capitals of California, um, the San Joaquin Valley. So... I grew up out on the west side. Um, there was watermelon fields and black eyed pea field, you know, fields and okra and everything else. Um, our neighbor across the street had a huge farm, um, and that's where I spent most of my time, was out running around the farm um, on my dirt bike, falling in ditches, having fun, eating watermelon just out in the middle of the field. Um, that was six-year-old Antoine, just eating a lot of fruit. Just out there having having a ball, just crazy, reckless. Like, you see my son AJ. Well, that's me. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I wondered. <laughs> that's that's me. You know, that's me in a nutshell. But just picture me out in the great in the wide open. And I mean, we did a little bit of everything out there. So it was a whole lot of fun. I had a great childhood. Um, yeah. Okay, so six year old Antoine's a little crazy. Just off outside every day how i mean when did you leave like suppose school's not in session when did you leave home when did you get home uh i left home uh shoot well i'd, I'd be in and out all day because 
you know, the the farm was literally like across the street, like, you know, you can't think of the people that live across the street from us, but um, like going across the street, except for it was a giant, a giant farm. Um, and so I'd be in and out all day, all day, you know, from coming home to get a sandwich to just coming home to mess around or going back to the fields because the kids across the street, um, Big Stace, which is one of my best friends, he was probably about six years older than me, somebody I looked up to, um, followed that guy around all over the place. Um, his grandfather owned the farm, um, spent a lot of time around there with him, um, doing a lot of, a lot of stuff, uh, showed me a lot of things, taught me how to drive. How old were you when he ta- when he taught you how to drive? Probably like eight or nine, <laughs> out in the farm truck, you know, in the, on the dirt road. He's like, "Come on, man, come on, get in. Just just press this right here. We'll put it. We'll put it in. We'll put it in first gear. You just just go. Just put it in first gear. We'll just go." Man, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to know what Antoine looked like behind the wheel oh, at man. eight years old. Not being able to see. <laughs> just push the gas. Look, see where you're going. Push the gas. Look, see where you're going. <laughs> you got to look down to find the gas pedal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that sounds safe. Yeah, uh, was so, so much fun though. So, <laughs> so obviously you went to school. You were in school. Um, what kind of grades did you get? What what uh what you know kind of transition us to twelve year old? What did twelve year old Antoine look like? Oh man, twelve year old Antoine was. Still crazy, but crazy in a different way. Um, I had started to come into, uh, you know, my boyhood um, as as my aunt Diane. Yeah, he started to sell it, smell his own piss. That's what she said. You know, that's <laughs> called like you get mannish or you know, getting beside yourself. Um, that was twelve year old Antoine. Uh, school was not um, something I cared for at all. Why not? Uh, I don't know because I couldn't focus. I couldn't focus on school. I was, I had my, like, my brain was going 100 miles an hour. Pretty sure I had ADD or ADHD or something like that um, before anybody knew what that stuff was, you know, back in the 70s. Because um, I couldn't, I just couldn't focus, so I wouldn't do the work. Yeah, you know, that would be diagnosable now, but you're saying, Back then, they didn't didn't even look for it. You're just one of those kids. Yeah, I just I'm just I was just one of those kids that was that just that you know didn't listen. Always always was fidgeting and doing something, never paying attention. You know, I pay attention for a few minutes and then I'd be gone off in Long Island. Did that get you in trouble? Oh, absolutely, lots of trouble. Like what? What's uh, what's one of the stories? Uh, just you know, we had uh, my second grade teacher, Miss Keys. Um, man, so my parents signed the the you can hit my child piece of paper (laughs) (laughs) all right i remember those days yeah for you for you younger listeners for you young listeners (laughs) there used to be a piece of paper that you would have to that your parents could sign so that you could get a swat by the principal or if you was acting out in class with a big paddle yes i i remember those days yes mr newton barely i was not they did away with that just before I got one. But yeah, so, you know, not paying attention, not doing what I was supposed to do. You know, Miss Keys, you know, whacked me across my butt with her yard stick. You know, that was, one, it was embarrassing. Two, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> 1A and 1B or 1 yeah. and 2? <laughs> Boy, one, 1A one and 1B. <laughs> embarrassing and it hurt. Yeah, so. 
It sounds like my my whole childhood. <laughs> <laughs> One way or another, it hurt, and it was always embarrassing. Yeah. Um. So, so needless to say, you're probably not um endearing yourself to your teachers. You know. What did that lead to? Well, I mean, you know, I had a I had a couple of teachers, especially at elementary. My sixth grade teacher, being twelve years old, right around that age, Mr. S. Um, Mr. S was like the coolest teacher, man. Mr. S was the coolest teacher. Like, you know how, you know, those teachers mm-hmm. that, you know, he just reaches you. Yeah. And he like, he was just, and he'd had cool stuff. He, you know, we were always doing fun projects. It was rockets and different types of science. And, you know, he made class fun. You know, it wasn't just always serious all the time. Um, and I, I cried in sixth grade when I graduated because I didn't want to leave, man, because I was like, this is the best I had, you know. And, man, no doubt, I got to the seventh grade, and it was curtains. I mean. Curtains, what do you mean? As far as me, like, <laughs> I think they wanted me to leave middle school just to get me out. <laughs> <laughs> they grad- graduated you just, just so you'd go to, just so to go, high school? <laughs> just so I'd go somewhere else, man. Like why? What what were you doing in middle school? It was uh, didn't I do? <laughs> Get, tell I, us a couple stories. I had fights on the school bus. I mean, I had fights at school. I mean, I what's so serious at that age that you could fight over it? Well, just one kid I remember specifically. He uh he I, he had a natural, and like he tried to pick it out right, but when he picked it out, he forgot to pat it down even. <laughs> Obviously. So me being the character that I am, I, uh, you know, I started laughing. Started giving the business. Started giving him the business. And and so he had a line across, like, from one ear all the way across to the other side, like, where he, like, I don't know, picked it to the middle, but he didn't pick the line up. And so I was like, man, you look like you got, like, the Mississippi River in your head. Like, <laughs> ouch. Just, man, what? You got rats? Because I think rats were sucking on your head. <laughs> like, just, man, just, I was horrible, dude. Just. That in itself is not enough to get in a fight over, though. But, you know, I just kept going. Yep, just, you okay. Know, and he just, like, I mean, it was a, what, half-hour bus ride from, you know, they picked us up on the corner of Fig and Church, and we went all the way to school, junior high, called Scandinavian Middle School, out on Shields and somewhere out there on Shields and something. Can't remember, but it's a middle school. That's where they bust us to. That's where we got bust to um, every day. So that was middle school. But uh, I just kept teasing, kept teasing. As soon as the bus pulled up in front of the school, like bus pulled up, came to a complete stop, and he faked like he was going to pick up his books. Bam, hit me in the face. And then it's on. Oh, it was, a, oh, man. Yeah, it didn't work out too good for him. That was about the only punch he got in. Ooh, ouch. So I got kicked out of school. Had to go to had to go to Saturday school for fighting on the bus. You know, my my dad was pretty excited about that because we you have to pay for Saturday school. It costs. So not only do you are you, are you, you need need rides out there. Yeah. Now now you're paying for it too. Yeah. And uh how did that go at home? Yeah, I got I got I got a B down. You didn't even sign the paper, and you still got paddled. Man, I got a boy. <laughs> look at here. Because I was like, my daddy ain't going to pay for that. My daddy ain't going to do that. Well, you you going to tell somebody what I'm going to do. Whack it, whack it, whack it. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so junior high, things are starting, right? And uh, um, you, you started playing sports. What t- when did you start playing sports? Ninth grade. What, what did that do for you? Well, I take that back. I played, I played little league baseball. Okay. Um, from probably three or four years. I would, yeah, from about eight, about eight until uh 11 8 to 11 12 years old i think 12 years old is, yeah is when you switch over to babe ruth and i didn't play babe ruth um i wasn't i wasn't good enough to make the team they was they were way good those guys were you know they played baseball year round nonstop babe ruth. Huh? yeah so i i was only a you know part-time warrior so i went out for the team i didn't make it played shortstop mm. um were you good I was all right, you know. I could feel. I was really good at fielding. Hitting was another subject. My eye-hand coordination had quite hadn't quite de- quite developed at that time. It was a lot of swinging misses, <laughs> a lot of striking out. So. Well, I'm not even gonna start where I would have been. I I strike out in softball slow pitch. So. Uh, yeah. I just never <laughs> was very good. But uh, was was sports a good outlet for you? Was that productive? Did that help with uh, other troubles? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, but really, really where I I found my joy was in the ninth grade um, playing football. Why? What, what about football? Because I could, I could hit people and not get in trouble. So that's the goal? Yeah. Basically, I could hit people as hard as I could and not get in trouble. Like, like you serious? I could, I could, I could like, be, I could be mean. Like, you could be mean, nasty, crazy out here. That's what we want you to be. Oh my goodness! I should have been playing football a long time ago. Is yeah. that is that a good thing to to allow kids that kind of freedom? Absolutely, because you got to have that outlet. Because you know every kid is going to get frustrated about something or have something that they don't agree with with parents or you know. I mean, and it's just somewhere. It's an outlet. It's somewhere where you can go and you can let that you can let that out. Because if you don't let it out, you know we've seen what happens when. People don't get to let stuff out, you know. They do. You, you fight on the school bus. You fight on the school bus. You do crazy stuff. So, you know, it's it, it's a good outlet, but it's it's got to be it's a, what I call a control chaos. You know, I mean, that's what it is. It's being able to control yourself, but just being outside your mind, crazy. What when do you know you're in the zone on the field? Uh, I don't, you could just feel it just like you're on, I mean, for me, I just, I felt like I was on fire. Like I was hot. Could do no wrong type of thing. Just hot. I'd be like hot. Like seriously. Like I felt like I was like 110 degrees hot, just like hot. And just whatever I did worked, you know, especially, you know, playing defense, which is, that's, you know, that's what I love to do. Very reactionary. Yeah. And so, you know, just, just hot. I played, I played nose tackle. Um, and you know, at 195 pounds, but I was bench pressing like 375 at, at ninth grade, uh, at later 10th grade. Okay. 10th okay. grade. I was benching about, yeah. And in the 10th grade, I was the strongest kid at my high school, you know, in the ninth grade, I was probably in like the 1600 pound club for you, uh, power lifters. Um, that's a lot of weight for a person that's. 14, 15 years old. Yeah, is that is that four different lifts that add up to 60? Yeah, years? that's that's your bench press, um, your deadlift, your squat, um, 
and I think it was Clean and Jerk. Okay. Yeah. So, obviously, you can't play sports in school unless you have good enough grades. Did your grades start to matter at that point? Were you doing better? Um, I mean, the first first semester, you know, I didn't do anything different from what I was doing in middle school. You know, basically failed all my classes. Um, was on probation, but they let me. I could still play football. But if I didn't do better in the next semester, I won't be able to play next year. At all. At all. Not so, not even making up work. Not a not nothing. It'd be it'd be a wrap. So did how did things change for so you? So then I I like so the second semester of uh of, of my ninth grade year, you know, I I took it serious. Did all my homework, did what I was supposed to do, you know, like a like I was supposed to. Um you know, a guy passing grades so I could play football my sophomore year. Cool. I can play football, you know, at the end of summer school. I went to summer school, make up, you know, get some extra credits. Not even that I needed to, um, but I did it anyway. And uh, that's what I did. You know, that's that's basically what I did to help myself. Like, was when I graduated, I had um, I had enough credit. I had enough extra credits from going to summer school and taking summer school classes when I didn't necessarily need to. I could have graduated you know, probably a semester early. Um, but, you know. So needless to say, you, you got good grades during that during that time period. Yeah, because I wanted to play. I mean, yeah. and then once I got to the 11th grade and realized that, you know, people were like, man, you're pretty good. You know, thought, you know, I was, I was pretty good at football. You know, maybe I had a chance to get a scholarship somewhere. And uh, still getting in fights? Yeah, yeah. Well, not really, because by then, nobody would mess me. I think I had my last fight in the ninth grade. So that last fight was the one, so you didn't, you won the fight well enough that you didn't have to fight. Yeah, again. I didn't have to fight no more at all. Not in high school at all. I didn't have to fight at all no more after that first fight in, in, in the ninth grade. Tommy Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. <laughs> the last, last fight in high school, Tommy Cooper, yeah. Right, right in front of the snack shack. <laughs> so, so obviously you're you're doing better in school and you're not fighting. That that's a good recipe for staying in school and 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 uh, and uh, you know putting a future together. Yeah, we had we had some positive, some real positive influences that would you know come back around um, and speak to us. Uh, we had uh, so when I was in, I think I was in the tenth grade. 10th, 11th grade, Icky, Icky Woods, who played for the Cincinnati Bengals, went to my high school. Um, and I think Icky's probably, what, I don't know, probably maybe 10 years older than I am. Maybe not, about seven or eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would come back around. He went to he went to UNLV, went to college at UNLV. Which is close. Yeah, and so he would come back. He would come home, you know, on his downtime, and so he would come to the high school. He'd come to the games, you know what I'm saying? He, Man, he was a... In high school, he was killing folks, like running people over. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was good. Oh man, you know. So you know, it. Uh, he just you know he was a real positive influence. And then when he made it to the NFL, man, it was just like you know, if he can do it, any of us can do it. You know. And then we had uh, Tim McDonald used to come around all the time. He was you know he another graduate uh, from Edison High School that you know was a positive influence. And so it just kind of showed. A bunch of us, you know, that were in my class and the class before me, like all of us that, you know, basically, hey, man, you if you put, you know, you put the work in, 
you know, you can you can get it done. And there's, you know, some guys came after those guys that that went pro um, or got close and all kind of, and not just football, but basketball and baseball and, you know. So were those guys coming around while they were in the pros too? Uh, as much as they could, as okay. much as they could. Henry Ellert spent a lot of time. He didn't go to Edison, He but he went to Hoover High, uh, played for the Rams. Um, I mean, he, you know, he spent a lot of time around Edison. A lot of time he was from the West Side. You know, everybody knew who he was, you know. Um, and so those those guys were all positive influences for for all of us, you know, at the time. And, you know, they were pushing it, man. Go to school, man. Try to do something. Try to be better. Get, you know, get yourself off this West Side. Go go do something for yourself. Go, so so know. I want to ask what's in it for them. Why, why do you think they're coming back? I mean, they don't have to. No. Um, I think it's just, you know, doing, doing their part. Uh, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure somebody along their way um, will influence them or, or, you know, planted a seed or, you know, don't ever forget where you came from, you know, go, you know, if you make it, make sure you don't forget, you know, don't forget about the, the kids at the high school that you went to, you know, go, go, go show those kids that, you know, if you can make it, they can make it, you know, anything's possible with hard work. And I, you know, I think, and, and they don't necessarily have to, do anything other than just come and 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 be a part of the school not necessarily have to be a coach or you know do anything just come and just be around and just let people hear your you know hear your story you know it's always it's always uplifting when you hear somebody that you know that worked hard and and made it you know whether it's sports or just in life general um so i think it tells the story itself of a person that uh that's able that's capable of doing that you know yeah and so and so i want to talk about fresno west fresno a little bit i mean they're coming back around and, and you guys are in high school and they're they're influencing kids and which is like that's awesome i didn't i mean you you mentioned that kind of and before to me but i didn't like really put it together that those guys were around while they were you know they were icky woods icky woods was big i think in like 86 87 yeah 86 87 um, um, he played in Super Bowl against the 49ers in, what was that, 89, yeah, 90? That, that's the, he was on the team with Chris Collinsworth. Who's yeah, the announcer now, Shuffle, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so, so but just so paint us a picture of what, uh, I mean, obviously you're you're getting into high school, you're a little later in your high school. You're not hanging around the farm all the time, I'm guessing. What What's West Fresno like? Oh, uh, man, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm in high school, so, you know, I am old enough to say, you know, the first rappers, all of that, you know, the East Coast versus West Coast, all that crazy stuff, you know, because there really wasn't no West Coast rappers back when I was coming up. You know, it was everything came from the East Coast. Big Daddy Kane, Bismarcky, uh, Eric B. and Rakim, Public Enemy, all those groups are all East Coast. And that's all, you know, that's what we listened to. There really wasn't, you know, a West Coast rap group. You know, and then when I got to high school, and here comes, you know, I think I was in the ninth grade, NWA. Well, yeah, NWA. I was in about the ninth grade, 10th grade, and that stuff just hit like wildfire, man. It was just... whole different style. Yeah. Just, well, I mean, what's the difference between the East Coast and West Coast back then? I mean, there, back, there's clearly a sound. What, right. What's the difference? Um, well, one, the, 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 the language. The language was like the the huge the like the big thing, because nobody really cussed on records, you know, all the foul language, 
you know, uh, all those old school rappers, Eric B and Rakim, Public Enemy, uh, you know, KRS-One, none of those guys, they, they didn't cuss on records. They, they rap clean, like, and spit some fire. Mm-hmm. Not one cuss word, mm-hmm. you know. And so when this, uh, this West Coast rap came out, it was, it was more, you know, East Coast told a story about something. West Coast kind of told you a story about what life was like on the West Coast or what life was like my lifestyle. You know, East Coast rap was kind of like fantasy rap, you know. West Coast rap was like real life rap, you know. And t- so explain to me what's real life like in West Fresno. Real life like in West Fresno is a um, bunch, of, bunch of small little gangs, a um, bunch, you know, people hanging out. Uh, lot, lots of hanging out, just hang, everybody hanging out, like the streets, just like, man, like Fig Avenue on the, and on a Saturday afternoon, you know, just like kind of just people riding up and down the street. In the 80s, it was everybody had their Nissans and, you know, sitting on center lines, you know, lowered with, you know, a whole bunch of music, a whole bunch of bass coming out of the back, you know, people sitting around, just like be, everybody being outside. And so that was like the early 80s. And then as the years progressed, you know, people started doing, they started shooting. And then, you know, less people start being outside and hanging out because people would drive by just shooting. You know, some people, you know. For no reason? Or are they, are they targeting they, you somebody? Know, they'd, be, they'd see somebody they didn't like or two, two different neighborhoods and see somebody. And then, you know, because that's when the people first started doing drive-bys was back in the 80s. Yeah. You know, it was that. It was, uh, you know, they picked up something that, came from L.A., you know, that didn't necessarily um, start happening until people found out, oh, they're doing drive-bys down in L.A., and, you know, so they start, you know, we can do that too. So people start doing that, so let's start, people start hanging out. So, you know, start having a lot of house parties, and then they started shooting up the house parties because house parties used to be so much fun. And then people started, you know, so it was just, it was a lot of fun. You know, we did, it was a lot of fun, a lot of parties to go to, a lot a lot of, lot of, lot of places to go hang out, um, and the older we got, the less places there were to hang out, you know, because things would get shut down mm. um, because of violence. So yeah, um, do you think do you think the West Coast rap had a lot to do with that, or was it gangs? Or I mean, that sounds sounds like it went from a pretty fun place to be to for me anyway. I'm, I'm kind of kind of a pansy um, to kind of a nightmare place to be. Uh yeah, I mean, it it went from a, a lot of fun to, you know, watch your back, you know, turn around, look, see, see every car that's coming up behind you, you know, don't uh, cause you just you just don't know, you just don't know, you don't know who hate you, you know, you don't know who don't like who you hang out with, you know, because definitely you are, you are who you surround yourself with. Never understood that saying until I left Fresno and was able to look back on things that I was doing. You know, you are who you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself with bad people doing bad things, you know, guess what you're doing? Yeah, I was just going to ask you, did, did that lifestyle rub off on you? Oh, absolutely. Rubbed off on me. Um, it's what, what you know, helped push me out of, out of Fresno, out of California and, and into Utah um, because of the lifestyle that I chose. Um, I chose to to be ghetto fabulous. I was going, you know, I was going to sell dope and get rich, never have to work and, you know, have a whole bunch of money and 
fancy cars. Yeah, so I I kind of want to talk about where, how did you go from being a promising athlete to that? And I think uh, um, let's talk about that in the next episode. So next episode, we'll talk to Antoine a little bit more about his college days, uh, some things that happened, took him to some pretty dark places. And the thing that finally made him, forced him to move out of Fresno and move to Utah to create a new life for himself. That's the next podcast. This is the Photo Gregor Podcast.